Grace and peace to you from our great God, in whom there is no darkness at all. Amen. Thirty-seven miracles. That's what the Bible tells us. Thirty-seven times the Bible tells us stories of these great signs and wonders that Jesus did. Thirty-seven times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we hear about how Jesus caused the lame to walk, how he restored sight to the blind, how he cast out demons, raised the dead, healed lepers, calmed the sea, walked on water, turned water into wine, even caused fish to fill Peter's nets. The Gospel of Mark hints that Jesus did all sorts of other miracles, too. It says that Jesus went all over the place healing people and casting out demons. Uh, John's Gospel tells us that if, if his book recorded everything that Jesus ever did, there wouldn't be a library big enough to contain those books. People believe in Jesus because of these signs. They rejoice because of these signs, and they keep coming back to Jesus hoping that Jesus is going to continue to do more signs, more miracles. Time and time again, the people are amazed to see what kind of authority Jesus shows. The authority to forgive sins, the authority to, to put broken things back together, the authority to bring calm in times of chaos. Now the people are amazed, but they don't really get who Jesus is. They don't really understand what he came to do. Jesus came to show God's unimaginable, infinite love in real and tangible ways here on earth. But as far as the crowds are concerned, at least Jesus can do some cool stuff. Because if you can do cool stuff, the crowds are going to keep coming back, and you're going to keep people happy. And maybe that's why our gospel reading today stands out a little bit. Today in Luke chapter 8, we don't see a huge crowd. And we don't see a bunch of happy people. In fact, we don't even see the disciples. Where are they in the midst of this all? No one really seems to be all that happy about what Jesus is doing. And on top of that, a bunch of pigs rush into the sea and die a rather disturbing death. Today's gospel reading leaves us asking all sorts of questions. How can a legion of demons live inside one man? Why does Jesus grant permission to the demons to enter this, this herd of pigs, but Jesus does not grant permission to the man he's healed so that that man will then follow him? Why did the pigs have to die? What good does any of this do if the people just want to kick him to the curb when it's all said and done. What kind of miracle is this, Jesus? Perhaps more than anything, we find ourselves asking, what are you doing, Jesus? Do you ever find yourself asking that question? What are you doing, Jesus? I know I have. There are times where I look around at my life and things are mostly put together. Uh, even in, in the highs and in the lows, no matter what's going on, there are times where I look around and it's fairly clear how God is taking care of me. He's given me family and friends. He gives me food. 
He gives me shelter. And, and that's enough. That's enough to know that, you know what, God is in control. He's taken care of me. But other times I look around and, and I don't get it. And I see a world in chaos and I see unmet needs, maybe in my life or, or in other people's lives. And I begin to wonder, what is going on? As Christians, we know that we can trust God to keep his promises through Jesus. Jesus promises to give us daily bread, what we truly need each and every day. He promises to be present in his word, in baptism, in the Lord's Supper. So when we come to church on Sunday and we hear God's word read from the pulpit or from the lectern, when we go up to the communion rail, when we remember our baptism, we know that God is at work in our lives to keep his promises to us. God is creating and strengthening faith in these ways, and those are wonderful blessings. But God doesn't only work in those ways. And God doesn't only work from 10 to 11 a.m. on Sundays. And the rest of the week, it, it can be a lot harder to see how God is at work through Jesus in our daily lives. It can be really hard to see what Jesus is doing. How is Jesus at work when people are begging on the street corner in the middle of a heat wave? How is Jesus at work when a medical diagnosis turns life upside down? How is Jesus at work when your prayers seem to go unanswered night after night? What are you doing, Jesus? In the hard seasons of life, following Jesus can be especially difficult. Because we know Jesus is with us. We know he's at work to take care of us, but sometimes, sometimes the way Jesus is at work in our lives does not match our expectations at all. You see, we often have this very neat and tidy little box and expect Jesus to be at work in neat and predictable ways in that box all the time. Sometimes that means we want Jesus to be our fairy godmother, you know, like from the Disney movies. And we expect Jesus to be sprinkling little blessings all over our life, uh, working to keep us happy, to keep us stress-free, so we don't have to worry about anything, and everything will always work out okay. Sometimes, perhaps especially on Father's Day, we expect Jesus to work in our neat and tidy little box as a protective father figure. The one who is at work to keep us out of danger, swooping in at the last moment to rescue us. The strong arm who saves us. Sometimes in that neat and tidy box, we ask Jesus to be our friend. And by that we mean we want Jesus to, to give us advice. We want Jesus to give us clear words of wisdom, to be a non-judgmental listening ear. To hear about everything we're thinking about. And we can depend on Jesus in these ways. He does bless us. He does protect us. He does count us as friends and even leads us into paths of righteousness. All these things are true, but they aren't always obvious because Jesus does not always work in our neat and tidy box. 
And we have this nasty habit of holding Jesus to our own standards. And when we do that, what we're saying is we're only really willing to follow Jesus if he's taking us somewhere we already wanted to go. But so often, Jesus takes us somewhere unexpected. Jesus goes somewhere we think he won't go, and we think he won't ask us to follow him too. And yet he does. And he continues to call us to follow him in those moments. So in our gospel reading today, where is Jesus going? Jesus is going to the far side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, now Jesus and most of his disciples live north of the Sea of Galilee, north and a little bit west. That's home for them. That's comfortable for them. That's where the disciples live. That's where they work. That's where they worship in the synagogue. Even when things aren't going perfectly well with Jesus' ministry, when the Pharisees are causing him issues, at least they're home. At least they're moderately comfortable. But then one day Jesus says, let's go to the other side of the sea. Let's go from the north and the west to the south and the east. And along the way, Jesus calms a storm. He calms a storm and the disciples realize that even the wind and the waves have to listen to Jesus. But that's not all that Jesus is doing on this trip. Jesus says we need to get to the far side of the sea. And so finally, that's where they go. And the disciples aren't comfortable anymore. Now they are hours from home. They're in Gentile country now, the, the land of all the other nations, not the nation of Israel. This is where things are very different. It's not a quaint little Jewish fishing village. This is a proper Roman city. This is where the people worship any number of false gods from the, from the Greek and the Roman multitudes of gods. There's even a temple to Caesar, the emperor. In the Jewish world, there's no place for pigs, and we heard all about that in our Old Testament reading. But in the Roman world, pigs are incredibly important, not only for a food source, but for sacrifices. Because when you want to make sure that Hades, the god of the underworld, is happy, you sacrifice a pig and collect all its blood. This is not a place we expect to find Jesus. And we can almost hear the disciples asking, what are you doing, Jesus? There goes unpredictable Jesus getting out of the boat on the far side of the lake. His disciples probably demand just to stay on the boat. They're not in Capernaum anymore. They're out of their elements. And if that weren't enough, there's a demon-possessed man screaming at Jesus from the shore. And apparently this man had quite the reputation the way that Luke tells us this story, it sounds like details that just about everyone knew. This man was naked. He didn't live in a house, but among tombs. People routinely tried to tie him down, probably for his own safety, but then he would just burst out of his chains and the demons would drive him back away from everyone, back to living among the dead. Now, anyone who regularly traveled around the Sea of Galilee probably told these stories. Watch out when you go over there. So maybe the disciples even knew what was waiting for them. And they decided a long time ago 
They wanted nothing to do with this man. But Jesus does. Just as Jesus has authority over the wind and the waves, so also he has authority over every spiritual power in the world. And the demons know it. Notice that the demons never fight back against Jesus. Here in this story, they're pleading with Jesus. They're begging him not to cast them into the abyss. They say, at least just let us go into that herd of pigs and go about our day. Even the demons know who Jesus is. They know what kind of authority he has. So what does Jesus do? Well, he decides to use the situation as an object lesson. Jesus has come to the far side of the lake to heal a man from his extraordinary suffering. He has also come to end this people's extraordinary idolatry. Caesar is not God of the living. Hades is not God of the dead. Even the demons must answer to the one true God, and they cannot be controlled by sacrificing pigs on altars made of brick or stone. Jesus has crossed the lake to show these Gentiles what kind of God they really have. A God who shows up on your doorstep, unannounced, and teaches you the ways of his kingdom. Teaches you the way the world really works. A God who doesn't wait for you to figure it all out before he shows up and showers you with his mercy and his grace. A God of sacrificial love who defies expectation even by hanging on the cross as a true sacrifice, a once-for-all sacrifice to bear the sin of every sinner in the world, no matter what side of the Sea of Galilee you were born on. And even as he pours out his blood in that once-for-all sacrifice, he teaches us that death does not get the final word. The people on that far side of the sea thought they had the world all figured out. And Jesus shows up and challenges their expectations. He defies their expectations. As a result, they ask him to leave. And yet Jesus continues to be extraordinarily good and gracious to them because he does not leave them on their own. He sends them the most unlikely missionary, a disturbed man now in his right mind, a naked man now clothed, a man who once lived among the dead but now dwells among the living, a man once controlled by demons but now is commissioned by God. What are you doing, Jesus? He's loving the unlovable. He's healing the hurting. He's restoring the outcast. And he's sending the saved. Jesus shows up on the far side of the Sea of Galilee to teach us that the kingdom of God defies our expectations too in the most beautiful way we could ever imagine. It can be hard to live when we don't know what Jesus is doing. So often we have questions. So often we do not get answers. At least not for a very long time. 
And that is why this story from Luke chapter 8 can be so powerful. Because in this story, we see God at work in chaos. We see Jesus having just calmed the storms and now casting out demons. And then he's toppling idols. And all along the way, he's healing and teaching and loving those, even those who don't love him. This story shows us what kind of God we have. And we have a God who will stop at nothing, nothing at all, to bring you into his kingdom, to teach you the ways of the Father, to show you a better way that defies all of your expectations. What are you doing, Jesus? Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to bring you home home into his kingdom, his family of faith, home where Jesus keeps you safe amid all the chaos of daily life, home where Jesus continues to care for you even when you don't know how to care for yourself. And you might not understand it. You might not even like it. But you need what Jesus has prepared for you. And Jesus continues to defy your expectations, just as he did when he died on the cross and then rose to new life. And now he lives for you so that you can live for him. 37 miracles. That's the glimpse the Bible gives us to show just how far Jesus will move heaven and earth to make all things right and all things new. And Jesus makes you right and new as well. He makes you right in the eyes of our Heavenly Father by forgiving you all your sin. And he makes you new day after day by continuing to renew you, to teach you what it means to love and trust in him above all else. Day after day, Jesus is still at work to defy your expectations as he calls you to a better understanding of what it means to have a gracious and merciful God because he loves you. That's what Jesus is doing, whatever it takes. Amen.